This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. I'm picking up on the lesson that I began to lay down on last Sunday entitled, Now I See. I'm doing Now I See, part two. Now I see. Maya Angelou has a quote, and she says, we are only as blind as we want to be. When I read that quote, I was like, well, I don't want to be, so now I see. I've been listening to the Lord for the direction and the thrust that he'll have us going into, coming into the new year. God always speaks a word to me, and maybe he gives me several words or a phrase or what have you. So I've been listening intently to the Holy Spirit for the direction for 2023. So just giving you a little glimpse, because this kind of ties in with our lesson, a little glimpse of what the Lord has placed on my heart for 2023 is that 2023 is going to be a year of illumination. A year of illumination that has reference to light, brightness, listen to me, clarity. A year of clarity, listen to me, a year of elimination of confusion. 2023, as God has given it to me, is the year of life defined. Life defined, meaning meticulous detail, unmistakably unmistakably true to you, those things that God has spoken. 2023 is the year of grace, completion, newness, abundance, expansion, fruitfulness, listen, prophetic fulfillment, listen, divine marriages. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah right there. And an ignition of the word of God that is already on the inside of you. Now, here's the deal. I'm not going to pump and prime you. You got to get a revelation on your own. I know that we all have times when you feel like you can't see or you can't see your way out or things seem dark or confusing or opaque or murky or muddy or whatever the case may be. But when you can't see your way out, you can't see through the situation, you don't see how God is going to do it, you can still hear. So listen so you can see. This is what God told me to tell you. He said, keep pushing through until you break through. Keep pushing through until you break through. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She leveraged the pushing to get closer to Jesus. She didn't let the pushing of the crowd stop her. She leveraged the pushing and she kept pushing through until she broke through. Somebody needs to hear it. Don't you stop pushing through. You keep on pushing through until you break through. There's 30 days left in this year, 365 in next year, so we still have plenty of time for the prophetic fulfillment of God's word over your life. So I declare and decree over you that now I see. 
Psalm number 146, stanza 8 says, The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord gives sight to the blind. Oftentimes when we look at blind, we just look at it one, from one perspective. I remember the, in uh, Malachi, the people were giving blind sacrifices to God. And it wasn't that God is prejudiced or has any ill feeling toward those that are blind. It's how we regard it. The reason they gave the blind sacrifices to God because they devalued the sacrifice. They devalued people that were blind. Are you listening to me? God loves everybody the same way. But people devalue people that cannot see. Blind has reference to not having sight, unable to see, listen, unwilling, or unable to understand. Sometimes you can't understand, and sometimes you just don't want to understand. That's when your eyes are blinded. Uh, Blind has reference to something that obstructs your vision. This year we came into this year, we said, this is my vision, this is my blueprint, this is my year. But then there were things that began to obstruct your vision. That has reference to blindness. Blindness has reference to not having discernment. Not discerning the time and the season, not discerning the voice of the Lord, not discerning your set place and your set times and your set moments, those set times, those set opportunities. Blind has reference to something that is not easily found. Another word used in scripture for blind is also darkness, which has reference to moral ignorance. Moral, now listen to me, ignorance is not a bad word. Ignorance means you don't have no understanding, you don't have no knowledge, no intellect in that area. It doesn't mean that you're stupid. It means that you don't know any better. Here's the revelation. But when you do know better, then you do better. Darkness has reference to satanic bondage. It has reference to being bound to something that is not of God. It has reference to a refusal of shattering the pattern. You know good and well you need to shatter the pattern. You've gotten all the word that there is that, that enough to change your life, and you're still holding on to those same patterns. That has reference to darkness or blindness. Am I making faith to anybody. There's a passage, a passage of scripture where they were trying to trap up the man. They asked him, they said, tell the, here it is right here in the easy read version. John chapter 9 verses 24 and 25. The backdrop is the man had been uh, healed and they wanted to know, I know good and well Jesus didn't do this. So the Jewish leaders called the man who had been blind and they told him to to come in again and they said, you should honor God by telling the truth. Now we know that this man is a sinner. And the man answered and said, I don't know if he's a sinner, but this I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Today I want to give you revelation on now I see. Now is a faith term. If it's not now, then it's not faith. So now I see. There was something about the blind man we've been talking about, Bartimaeus. He was blind with his eyes, but he had more vision and more focus than all the people that were around because he knew who Jesus was. I have several supporting scriptures that I want to read, but I don't have as much time on the clock as I need to really bring it out. So I want to encourage you to go home on your own and read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 
four, I'm going to read a little bit of it. I'll just read this one, and then I'll give you some other supporting scriptures. Let me see which one I want to read. I'll give you that one to read at home. The amplified version of this one, the one part of it says that Satan had blinded them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So when you don't see who Christ is or what Christ can do because he is what he does, when you cannot see that, you have been blinded or you are in darkness. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 in the voice translations reads this way. It says, open the eyes of their hearts and let the light of your truth flood in. Shine your light on the hope you are calling them to embrace. Reveal to them the glorious riches you are preparing as their inheritance. Let them see the full extent of your power that is at work in those of us who believe. And may it be done according to your might and power. Friends, it is this same might and resurrection power that he used in the anointed one to raise from the dead and to position him at the right hand in heaven. James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 in the easy to read version says, but when you ask God, you must believe. Don't doubt him. Whoever doubts is like a wave of the sea that is blown up and down by the wind. People like that are thinking two different things at the same time and they can never decide what to do. So they, so they should not think that they will receive anything. To me, that is somebody that has double vision. Have your TV ever had a lot of ingress and it's almost double vision? It's very hard to see when you have double vision. Double vision or double-minded, you are up one day, down the next day. You don't know really what you believe. And the Bible says that person right there shouldn't expect anything. Also, I want you to read 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. It's a great scripture. I was going to read it in the, the message translation, but I'll just read the last part of it. It says, um, let me see where I want to see. Dear friends, I'm not writing anything new here. This is the old commandment in the book, and you've known it from day one. It's always been implicit in the message you've heard. On the other hand, perhaps it is new, freshly minted, as it is both Christ and you, the darkness fading away, the darkness fading away, and the true light already blazing. So read James chapter 1 and verse 6 as well. So I've said all of this to say that when you're divided, when you have double vision, when you are double-minded in your heart, that is a heart that does not trust God. You say today that you trust God, and then you fall out and you panic tomorrow because you really don't trust God. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish, they cease, they crumble, they succumb to the circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for or things expected. Some of you are expecting the worst. You expect the worst. You need to expect 
God's best. It goes on to say, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there, doesn't mean that it's not mine, doesn't mean that I can't have everything that God has promised to me. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you getting a revelation? Now let me get to you where I'm trying to get you to. In Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, I am going to read it from the Amplified Translation just because it gives us a little, uh, it amplifies, it talks a little, gives us a little bit more clarity. It says, then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road, as was his custom, When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and to say, Jesus, son of David, or Messiah, have mercy on me. Many sternly rebuked him, telling him to keep still and be quiet. But he kept on shouting all the more, son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped and said, man, there's something about the cry of of faith that caused Jesus to stop and come see about you. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called for the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, throwing his cloak aside, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabboni, or my master, let me regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith, your confident trust in my power has made you well. And here goes Mark again, immediately. One of the 41 times that he said it in that book, immediately he regained his sight and he began following Jesus on the road. We know on the road, he was on the road to the cross. That was his last time coming through uh, Jericho. Jericho was like 15 miles outside of Jerusalem. And right after that, he began to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling the mandate on his life, which was to lay his life down. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was on his way to fulfill the prophetic word, the reason why he was birthed into the earth. So we see that even on, and then I can't even imagine, he knew, he knew he was on his way. He knew what was about to happen to him, and all the while he's still compassionately doing and being who he was, healing and setting captives free. It said immediately the man regained his sight. Faith releases immediately and suddenlies of God. You've got to expect your suddenlies. You've got to expect your immediatelys. You've got to expect better. You've got to expect greater. You've got to expect to be astonished. Think about it. You've got to expect it. When you don't expect God to show up, that's because your faith is little. Remember, you're double-minded. You got, you got double vision. You're double-minded. You're up today. You're saying one thing. You're talking out of two sides of your mouth. And the scripture says, let not that man right there think that he can get anything from 
the Lord. So let's walk through this scripture. It talks about when they came to Jericho, and Jericho is so prevalent in the Bible. The custom of Jericho was that they catered to the rich and the powerful people of that time. In the time of Jesus, the rich and the, and the, the, the famous, the prosperous were catered to in Jericho. So homeless people and outcasts and beggars and misfits and blind people, this was their opportunity to line up on the road to beg of some kind of arm or some kind of assistance because this was a high traffic area. So it says as he was leaving Jericho, he was leaving Jericho because it was time for the Passover feast. Every year they celebrated when God delivered them out of bondage. Remember all of them plagues and then God put that, put the blood over the doorpost and he said when I see the blood I'll pass. They celebrated that every year. So people came from near and far to celebrate what God did. They would not allow the, the traditions of or the, the generations to forget this. So you got to understand now in this high traffic area with all of these wealthy people, people are coming from near and far heading to Jerusalem because it's time for the Passover celebration. So it says he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a large crowd of people followed him because wherever Jesus went, he always did miraculous works. He always healed the sick. He always did uh, miracles. So people were following him. Listen, some people were following them because they wanted to see a miracle. Other people were following them because they wanted to get a miracle. It says a blind beggar Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the side of the road, which was his custom. It was his custom because that's what the uh, blind people, people that had a disability, people that were homeless, this is what they did. They, they would beg as a temporary fix to their situation. They would, that, that was their job, that was their occupation. They actually got a government issued, a government issued garment. So the garment that he wore signified to people that he's a real beggar, he is a, a true uh, blind person, he is authentic because people were, there's so many wealthy people around at that time, sometimes people will pretend like they're homeless and pretend like, like they do out here. <laughs> Park their Mercedes at the McDonald's and then walk down the street and beg and then drive back to their mansion in Bloomfield. Same thing was happening during this period of time. So he actually had what is known as a government issued cloak or garment or coat. This was his license to beg. You needed a license to be a beggar. So he was a legitimate beggar. He wasn't a scammer living in the next city. That cloak, his cloak, the garment that he had on, I think they had it up on Sunday, gave him the right to beg. The cloak identified who he was, and the cloak indicated or in indicated to others that everything that he owned in the world was in that cloak. Have we ever seen displaced people, and maybe they have a shopping cart or something like that, and everything that they have is in that shopping cart. So that's how, that's what the, the cloak, his cloak or his garment was indicative of. It was indicative of everything that he had in life. It was his garment represented um, the coat that he wore, 
His garment became his blanket at night. His garment was his mattress to sleep on. His garment was his table and his tablecloth. His garment was his offering receptacle. When you came past, you dropped the everything that he had was in that cloak. All that he was was wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in his garment. So that garment represented the limitations on the life of Bartimaeus. Because he had that that government issue coat, he had a right to beg and he had a right to sit out there. But everything he had was on his person. Does that make sense to him? That was his blanket. That was his, that was his tablecloth. That was his offering receptacle. It was every single thing that Bartimaeus had in life, watching or listening to all the other people walk past him. So it says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the side of the road, as was his custom. He would probably get enough from begging to maybe get a warm meal, Maybe find a place to sweat. Maybe even enough to stand in on some nights. Maybe on a cold night. It was just enough. So they, that was his occupation. That is what he did every single day. So when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he heard all of the people, and they probably had talked amongst themselves, all of the beggars, saying, wow, this is Passover. We're about to get some, a good offering. A lot of people were coming by. We're about to eat good today. You know, several people might put some coins in. Several people might drop something in our cloaks. But when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, that, was, that changed the whole game. He began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, or Messiah, have mercy on me, instead of saying, Shoshek, or whatever the, the Hebrew term was, whatever the term was to beg for alms, instead of begging for money, he begged, he cried out to the master. He cried out using his messianic title, which was son of David. Now that had to be a confirmation to Jesus when he was on his way to the cross. That somebody identified who he was. That had out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. That had to give him some kind of peace and some kind of comfort, knowing that just in a few short days, he had to lay his life down for people that hated him and people that didn't even believe in him. So it said, uh, verse 48, that many sternly rebuked him. So this is the deal, because people looked at the people that were beggars, the pe- beggars and the people that were blind or disabled, they looked at them differently. They looked at them as if they were substandard. They treated them any kind of way, and so much so that even in the Bible there were laws and regulations written on how you have to treat blind people. Don't lead them off the road. Don't lead them off. Don't lead them the wrong way. Don't. Don't, do, don't treat them badly because that was the custom. They felt like if you're blind, you sinned or your parents sinned, so now you get what you deserve. So they treated them badly. They treated them disrespectfully. So it said many sternly rebuked him, telling him to keep still and be quiet. But this is what I like about Bartimaeus. He didn't allow the crowd to intimidate him or stop him from reaching out to the one that could cause him 
to see. There are going to be obstacles sometimes getting to where you need to go and, and in dark situations and you don't see how you're going to get there. You don't see how God is going to do it. You don't see what is, you can't, you can't see your way out. You can't let people talk you out of it. Neither can you let yourself talk you out of it as well. Remember, I told you the crowd could be you. The, it could be the enemy. Enemy, the crowd would be, can't be petty people. It could be the pounding pressure. It could be postponing and procrastination. It could be previous patterns that are holding you back. It could be personal perception, how you think or how you overthink and overanalyzing your thoughts and your emotions. And I don't know if you've ever been there when your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own perceptions of yourself begin to crowd in on you. So it wasn't just the crowd. I'm sure it was the crowd crowding in on him. And they said, and one translation says, they, it, they said it with great indignant. They, they got indignant about it and told him, um, sit down and shut up and be quiet. But the more that they told him to be quiet, the louder he shouted. Now, I imagine he was shouting louder because his his hearing was enhanced because he couldn't see. And he heard all of the footsteps, and he heard the babies crying, and he heard the people screaming, and he heard laughter, and he heard all of this. And he's got to cry out to Jesus over the top of all of that noise. He's got to uh, elevate his voice over the noise. Listen to me. When you're going through situations, temptations, and tests, and trials, sometimes life talks so loud, but you've got to cry out to God louder than the noise of the crowd that's going on. The loud, the more they told him to be quiet, the louder he got. Now, I kind of got irritated with the crowd because they got their side. They don't have on beggar's clothes. They don't have a government-issued garment. And then you're going to tell him to sit down and shut up and be quiet, and you're going to be disrespectful and indignant with him. He is simply trying to get help. Are you listening to me? Verse 49 says, Jesus stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up. He's calling you. Isn't that how people are? Now that Jesus has, he's got an audience with Jesus and the favor of God now is manifested in front of them. Now they're trying to get, hey, brother man, dude, come on, he's calling you. But you were just now five seconds ago telling me to sit down and be quiet. This is the part that I love, verse 50. Oh, I just love this part. It says, throwing his cloak aside. Remember, that's his government-issued uniform. That's all he has in this life. That's his bed, his blanket, his coat, his covering, his clothing, his offering receptacle, his mattress, his placemat. It's everything in the world that he owns, but he realizes it is a limitation to him. As long as I stay with this beggar garments on, this is who I am. This beggar uniform has defined who I am, but I have vision farther than where I am right now. Even though he couldn't see, he could see 
further than where he was today. Let me pause for a moment. I know down on the inside of you, I know for a fact there's something turning over on the inside of you and you know, you know, you know, you know, you know and you all know that there's more. There's more for you than, than what you have. There's more. God got better. God has much more. He's got suddenlies and immediatelies. He's got greater. He's got better. God wants down in your knower. Now, right now, you might not be able to see it because situations may have your eyes darkened, but I'm like blind Myrmaeus. I got some knowing down on the inside, and I can see what other people can't see. Without a vision, the people perish. They blend in to the, the, the stigma, to the limitations, to the labels that people have put onto them. But blind Bartimaeus saw beyond all of that. So throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Now, if you saw the cloak that was up there on the screen on Sunday, that wasn't no easy thing to get off. So can you imagine him? And one translation talks about how he ripped it off. He violently snatched it off. In other words, this is no longer going to define me. I will no longer be defined as a beggar. I will no longer be defined as poor and broke. I'm no longer, don't call me that no more. Are you listening to me? He jumped up and he violently snatched, he ripped the garment. He ripped off everything that he had, everything that he knew. He couldn't see from the physical but he could see from the spiritual, God's got more to me than this. And if the Messiah is passing, we used to sing a song, do not pass me by. God ain't thinking about passing you by. But as he's passing, I'm getting in on it. And he began to speak to who he knew he was, the Lordship, calling him Messiah, son of David. He ripped his clothes up, uh, off and he jumped up. And he came to Jesus. This is what some of us would do. We would be trying to fold it up just in case this don't work. Let me fold this up. Let me take it off right. Just in case this don't work, I'm going to come back and do this. He violently ripped it off. I could just imagine him tearing it, ripping it off of his body because in his mind, when he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy, and Jesus stopped to see about him, in his mind, he said, I ain't going to be needing this no more. He said, I'm not going to need these beggar clothes no more. Are you listening to me? Faith is an action word. Faith requires corresponding action. We're double-minded. We have double vision. we up today and down tomorrow and do, say we're having faith, but at the same time having a backup plan. The backup plan with him to try to take it off and preserve it just in case this doesn't. The man ripped the clothes off of him because his mind told him, I'm not going to need these beggar clothes anymore. Get a revelation up in here. Here's the thing. Before he physically saw, now he saw. He saw. He was able to see before he saw. The other people were telling him, sit down, shut up, be quiet. Because even though they had their physical vision, they couldn't see. The one that didn't have the physical vision had the spiritual vision, and he could see further than the ones, all of the ones pressing in the crowd. He can see past them more clearly than the ones with physical vision. 
Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. I imagine he ran to Jesus. I imagine he ran to Jesus. And I imagine that when he got there, he fell on his feet. I imagine that he fell at the feet of Jesus and he baracked him and he worshiped him. I'm just imagining that is true. The scripture doesn't tell us, but why wouldn't you? If I'm going to rip them beggar claws off of me, I'm not just walking up ball standing up there. I'm going to bow down and worship him. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I got to close. I love it, love it, love it. Here's the thing. He was very specific in what he wanted. Some of us would not have been that specific. We would have started naming off 50, 11 different things. Well, you know, I need a woman because I'm, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. I need a woman. And you know, it's a whole bunch of people out here, Jesus. You could take up an offering for me. Maybe a place to sleep. Maybe a fresh garment. But he didn't ask for any of that trivial nonsense. He was very specific on the things that he knew would change his life forever. If he asked for a meal, he could have ate. Then he would have went right back there, sitting on the side of the road begging. If he asked for money, money can't last you forever. He would have been right back on the next day, sitting on the road begging. Asked for a woman, he can't provide for him. Him and a woman sitting on the side of the road begging. Come on. He asked for the thing that would change his life forever. This is what he said. He said, Rabboni, my master, let me regain my sight. Because if I could see, I work. I go to work. I do whatever I need. I'll get my, I'll go fishing. I'll get my own food. I don't have to ask anybody for anything. Restore my sight. Cause me to be able to see. Again. In other words, help me to see me the way you see me. I got a glimpse of how you see me. I threw, a, threw aside those beggar garments. But help me to see you, see me the way you see me, so that I can live my life the way you designed me to live my life. Because if I am not living my life the way God designed me to live my life, I am malfunctioning. <clears throat> the catchphrase these days is dysfunction. I'm living in dysfunction. But if I can see, remember the man said, all I know, all the mother, all the extra stuff you asked, I don't know nothing about that. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith, and confident trust in my power has made you well. He didn't have a long prayer line. He didn't say, somebody bring me a gallon of olive oil. He didn't have a long, drawn out, I need some catchers and all of this. Oftentimes, we want the spectacular. We don't see anything spectacular happening here. We saw the man ripped his garment off. He told Jesus what he wants. Then Jesus said, go your way. Go on. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has restored you. 
nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken because of your faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is an action word that requires corresponding action. If you are postponing the action, then you're not in faith. Faith causes you to act now because if it's not now, then it's not faith. He says, go your way. Your faith and confident trust in my power has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight, and here's the catchphrase. He began following Jesus on the road. Not just on the road, he followed him all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross and beyond. He wasn't like the nine lepers, ten of them got healed. Only one of them went back. They went on about their way. They were on the road. They kept going. They never even went back. He followed them all the way. Not just till he got something, little short burst of faith to get, get a car, get a man, get a house, get your car note paid, get some Christmas presents and drop your faith. He began to live a lifestyle of faith. So I told you before, as we came into this year, there were certain things that I told you to do, and every one of them was identified in this scripture. I said, you've got to have passion, which means decide what you want. You go after the promise, which, what does the word say about it? Then you look for purpose. What is the will of God for my life concerning this situation? Then you pray. You partner with God, his will on earth as it is in heaven. Then you pursue, you pursue it. That man didn't sit there. And here's the thing. How come, how come he didn't, Bartimaeus could have said, well, Jesus, dang, can't you come to me? You see, I'm blind. Jesus stayed over there and told him to come because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We have to make some steps in faith. You've got to do something instead of waiting for somebody. That's what I said. So many people are sitting there waiting. When have you got up? When have you thrown a, flung aside your garment? The thing that you've clung on to, the, the label that people have given you, the limitations, when did you throw them aside and begin to walk toward Jesus, pursue, put the faith steps in place, then stand the process, and then acknowledge all of the progress every day. Acknowledge what God has done in your life, and all of that culminates to presentation or manifestation. So passion plus promise plus purpose plus prayer plus pursue plus the process plus progress equals presentation. So, child of God, I want to encourage you today to stay in the process. And you stay in the process as long as it takes. Even when it looks like nothing is happening, you better know that more is happening underneath the surface than what meets the naked eye. You keep waiting to see something, but the aha moment is that you see it through the eyes of faith. You have to see it through the eyes of faith. Remember we said, open the eyes of my heart. You see it through the eyes of your heart before you see it with your natural eyes. Eyes. Remember, faith does not require any sense realm evidence at all because my faith is the evidence. My faith is the evidence. So you get quit out of you and you never give in and you never give out. Last thing, I'm over time, but let me read it anyway. Faith releases the immediate lease of God so that you can get your suddenlies, your immediate lease. You can expect better, greater, and be astonished. This requires unrestrained boldness. We saw that demonstrated in 
Bartimaeus. Expect suddenlies. That's when things are without warning. Suddenly you're out of nowhere to now here. Expect immediately. First one thing, then another. Without delay, blessings on the hill of another blessing on the hill of another blessing. One after another after another until you don't even have room enough to receive. Expect better advancement in quality. Expect more acceptable, more pleasing and improvement. Listen to me, bitter is holding up your better. Expect greater and increasing the amount, more in magnitude, beyond normal. Expect a whole bunch. Bless me indeed. Give me a big old blessing. Expect to be astonished. Astonished means to be filled with sudden overpowering surprise, wonder, and amazement. Overwhelmed. To get one's attention and hold it. To grasp and clasp one's attention. To be captivated. To blow one's mind. Psalm number 139, it says, you shape me first inside, then outside. You know me inside and outside. I was sculpted from nothing into something. Doesn't that sound a lot like from nowhere to now here? Psalm number 23 stands at seven. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Can you imagine all them people telling Bartimaeus, sit down and shut up. You ain't nothing but a beggar. Stop calling Jesus. Stop calling the master. But as a man thinketh in his heart, regardless of the crowd, regardless of the overwhelming thoughts, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as I close, who do you think you are? I am. Every head bowed, every eye closed, let's pray. I trust that word blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church, we're a family.